This is a news laundry podcast and you're listening to NL Playoffs. Hello and welcome to NL Playoffs. This is round 24 and today with me I'm Aniket by the way. So with me I have two special guests. So we have our recurring guest for tennis Abhijit with us and then we also have Rameswami. So Abhijit and Rameswami uh, can you please go ahead and introduce yourself. So I think I've laid it out that you're tennis buffs but how are you associated with the sport so if you could give a elevator pitch on what you both do for te- uh, with your work at tennis. Hi guys, uh, my name is Abhishek. I'm also a news only subscriber. I also pay to keep news free and uh, this is my fourth time on this podcast so thank you so much for inviting me back. Uh, so my background is of actually sports law. Uh, I used to work as a legal counsel for a sports rights management company, and uh, from my sports law journey, now I have uh, evolved into sports management and business side of things. And currently, I work as a business development manager at uh, this group called PTL Group. And what we do is basically we organize uh, a few tennis leagues, tennis courses, and tennis camps throughout the year. Uh, so yeah, that's uh, about me, uh, Rama. Please go ahead. Uh, hello hi everyone uh, rama here thanks again for having me on your uh, podcast so i'm currently working in tennis australia and based out of melbourne so i've been associated with tennis for the last 5 years and i work in the sport management side of things and my current role is specifically in the commercial and marketing team and previous to sport i've always been a sport enthusiast but uh, previous to sport i was working in the aerospace sector but when i was working there i always had the urge to be involved with sport so i decided to study sport management and then somehow i ended up working at the tennis so yeah it's been a really interesting last 5 years and very enjoyable and uh, yeah that's about me this is wonderful so i think we should have you both on on a separate call as well of just to talk about your trajectory i think it's very interesting to just learn about your journeys because a lot of people want to be involved with sport in india but i think it's tough uh, not from actually doing it but tough in terms of getting guidance because there's so few far and few people who actually do it so uh, i'm going to hit you guys up on again later to maybe talk about this i think it'll be an interesting episode on how to get involved with sport especially uh, given both of you have such divergent trajectories so ram like me is also an engineer and now here he is so it's an interesting journey i think anyways that being said we have our my co-host gautam who will be joining us uh, later on so he'll be joining us in middle of this and you'll suddenly hear him start talking so that's how it's going to go but let's delve into what we've uh, assembled to talk about basically which is uh, the grand slam that happens every year and that i most look forward to which is wimbledon 2022 so it has just concluded uh, the women's singles was uh, the singles finals was actually uh, won by elena rabkina from kazakhstan uh, she played so which is a super interesting game and then we'll also talk about our i think what 21st grand slam winner novak djokovic who's now done it four times in a row uh, so he's on par with uh, legends like roger federer uh, bjorn borg and pete sampras so let's uh, delve into this uh, gentlemen so what was your take so let's start with the women's uh, final and then semi final so did you have a favorite going in so there was ons who was playing who was my personal favorite i was kind of putting my money on her but then we also had elena and it was super interesting to see so what did you guys think so i let uh, ram go first and then abhijit you can follow yeah now i think wimbledon as such it was i mean each grand slam is different but this one in particular was uh, very different to any other grand slam given that it didn't have ranking points but it was still as significant or more significant than anything else that has ever happened before and yeah i think ons jabor was uh, heading into the tournament she's got such a lovely story and the background and i think she's just picked up so many new fans on the journey she's come along and inspiring a whole continent if not just a country being the first arab woman to play in a grand slam final so i think uh, she's picked up a whole lot of fans and just her personality but also elena raibakina was there very rightfully and having had a great run beating halep and various other good top seeds so it was a very interesting final and it went three sets and uh, it was close uh, 
I think in the end, Rabekina's power came through and I'm sure Ons Jabor will definitely have another go. And yeah, it was, I think it was such a lovely story. It's one of my favorite stories from Wimbledon, seeing Ons Jabor talk and even her playing her semi-final match against her best friend where they, their kids are like barbecuing with uh with Ons Jabbar and it was such a lovely and wholesome story so I think uh we did we did miss a few stars like Naomi Osaka in Wimbledon but I think at the tournament as such provided such amazing stories on the men's and women's circuit and then we had like a great final and uh, there has to be a winner and a loser and there was obviously the who deserved to win won the match but it was just a beautiful story as such I think. So Abhijit, whom did did you have a favorite going in into this uh, into the semifinals and finals? Uh, not really. Uh, to be honest, uh, this year I've been very amazed by two players. That's Iga Swiatek and Onjaber. And uh, I was hoping for them to go deep in the tournament, and they they did pretty much. And uh, what a shame that Ons didn't win um, because I think she's you know right there. She she's gonna win a slam very soon. Uh, but the funniest part of all of this is that. The Wimbledon decided to ban the Russians, and the Russian ended up winning the Wimbledon. I know Elena is from; she's representing Kazakhstan now. But isn't that the story uh, everybody's talking about, right? I mean, like what they were supposed to do. Uh, the Russian influence; people are still talking about it. And Daniel Medvedev; uh, he's actually the world number one player in the uh, men's circuit. So there you go. No, it's it's super interesting you say that. Uh, and I want to pick up on one point Ram made of how Ons has picked up fans on our way to this tournament. So I was one of those people. So I think we've discussed this in our prior is that the women's tournament is typically so open. It's tough to actually bet on one person. There is not one dominating person to pick there. But I was initially thinking it'll be Iga again, uh, Schwantek, who will go all the way through. But then I was lucky enough to actually uh, sit through both the semifinals. So I saw Ons and uh, Tatiana Maria's game and boy, that was wonderful. So that was such an uh, exciting game. I think the crowd loved it. So you could see the crowd, uh, you know, it was going, swinging both ways and they were just having a blast. And obviously the way Ons uh, won it as well, won that game and she was so wonderful to Tatiana, it was it was it was really uh, pleasing to the eyes but what was super interesting was uh, i had after i knew that simona was uh, playing i i had to be honest i had never seen uh, elena rabikina play uh, extensively i'd seen only highlights and i had my money on simona so everywhere i put my money in this tournament is like gone so i'm glad i don't bet but <laughs> nothing worked out so i thought it will be actually simona alep all the way but when i saw elena's serve and forehand in person it was like she had fire so she was fast and for the first time i did feel i don't know ram you and uh, you should uh, seeing it in tv was one thing but actually seeing the forehand swish by in real was something totally different it was a i had a very meta experience i was thinking i was watching myself in third person so it was it was super interesting and uh yeah so her serve and her game where i think also, Ons has a very different game compared to Elena, right? So, she's more of the drop shot, whereas uh, uh, Elena is more of the powerful serve. So, do you guys want to uh, talk a little bit about uh, what you think and uh, how did... Because I did see the press match conference as well of how Elena actually uh, and both Ons took it. And do you have... Uh, do you want to add anything on the game in general? Yeah, no. Nah, like you said, it's very different. Uh, a very different style of play play itself uh, and Alina Rabikina is so powerful but Ons Jabor is very like tactical and tries to mix it up having won the first set I thought she would like actually go through but all all uh, congrats to Alina she just played an amazing uh, amazing couple of sets after that but yeah it was really really interesting to see how they matched up tactically and uh, played each other and like you also touched upon the the post match uh, post match presentation and i was seeing the i was seeing the post match once they do they go off court and then ribakina like she she said that you want emotions and she actually broke down that was like a really beautiful moment and i rem- i also saw ons jabor showed her phone's wallpaper where she was having the photo of the actual winner's title and she said sometime i might get this too so I, it's just a, such a nice story i think the women's side it's very unexpected like like you said, it's an open draw, but given Iga Schwentek has been so dominant in the clay and the hard courts in America, everyone thought she'd go through. But then Alice Cornett played an un- unbelievable game to beat her, just hit her out of the court that day. But uh, yeah, it was it was a really, really wonderful story in the end, in the women's side. 
Actually, I have uh, two things to say here. Uh, when I look at you know my favorite moments from this Wimbledon, there are two. One is when Federer came on the center court and everybody went mad. That clip went viral. And the second one is when uh, after this Ons Jabeur and uh, Maria's match, uh, the embrace they had at the net. I think that was a very beautiful moment. So those two moments are very you know they, they were kind of special from this tournament. And I just. No, feel a little bad for Elena. Like, of course, she's a Wimbledon champion, but I just realized the first time I had heard about her was at last year's uh, Tokyo Olympics. You know, where she, I think, she finished fourth or something. But that's the first time I saw her like doing really well, going deep in the tournament. And that tournament did not offer any ranking points. One year later, we are at Wimbledon again. She's a champion here, and again, she does not get any ranking points because, well, Wimbledon decided to do so. So yeah, what a what an amazing player. Uh, it's just a shame that two of her best career performance uh, didn't uh, matter when it comes to rankings. So I'm going to ask you both a question, right? So for some of the listeners who are not aware, why is this ranking points important uh, for any uh, tournament, and what's different with this times Wimbledon? If you could just uh, elaborate and let us know. So so yeah, each tournament I think uh, each tournament depending on the circuit. on the level of the tournament itself offers different ranking points so it's 250 500 000 1500 and then the grand slams which offer more than that so it was the first time i don't know when the last time actually i need to check if there was ever a grand slam which did not offer ranking points but i can't think it think of it in my short memory but this this atp and wta decided that wimbledon will not offer grand ranking points as a grand slam because they didn't let some of the players from russia and belarusia play the tournament so they thought it might not be fair on athletes on those athletes because they had nothing to do with the current political situation so yeah so that ended up being the reason why they did not offer ranking points so what so what happens when a tournament does not have offer ranking points is even if you win the tournament you end up losing the points which you had accumulated previously so djokovic for example won the tournament last year and he won the tournament this year and after wimbledon now he's ranked number 7 in the world which is unbelievable and something which you cannot actually make sense of so that's why it makes a difference because this wimbledon did not have any ranking points so he just lost like uh, he didn't uh, he couldn't accumulate the points which was gained previous season so it it makes a huge difference especially if you've had a good result previously in that tournament so that's when a rank that's when ranking points like contribute significantly to your ranking to go up or maintain the ranking so it's just a very funny tournament like we spoke about that djokovic just just won his 21st grand slam and now he's ranked number 7 in the world which was released yesterday so yeah so yeah the rankings the most important part of this rankings is rankings are important so that a player can enter a tournament for the entries basically and for seed purposes so depending on your ranking uh, the tournament will be easier or more difficult for you so that's why the rankings are very important for a player to sustain a livelihood for that matter it's also the draws are based on your uh, ranking or seeding like right seeding. so that that helps you out so essentially this wimbledon was all about glory uh, of actually winning on the uh, epic center court than actually about uh, getting points and furthering your uh, rankings in the circuit and prize money this is the they yeah. offered a great prize i think the most prize money they've ever offered so not bad you can't call it an exhibition event really you know? <laughs> yeah for sure and uh, i mean say what uh, you want uh, like after uh, being at wimbledon just witnessing the atmosphere i think it is a big deal if they if wimbledon had nothing to offer I, by itself i think winning there is itself a significant thing because i think peter sampras called it the cathedral of tennis if i'm not wrong so uh, it was uh, pretty uh, yeah great with that being uh, said So one thing I did want to uh, talk about was again uh, Elena being down in the first set, and uh, one thing that was common between the two finals were I think the mental fortitude of both the players who actually won, and I think this is a very good uh, segue into uh, Djokovic, because uh, when I saw so l- let's be let's set the uh, field right. So the semifinals was uh, between Djokovic and Nori, who was a British uh, local lad. and who again uh, won his uh, first set and then djokovic had a comeback but what was more interesting in the quarter finals that i was uh, watching so djokovic came down 2-0 uh, so uh, throughout this tournament it seems like djokovic has a comeback story written everywhere and it followed even in the final cuz when i f- i had when what do you call uh, kirios had got a walk over with nadal because nadal uh, obviously had this abdominal injury so uh, i saw i i thought djokovic was the favorite 
but it was it was pleasantly surprising to see how kirios showed up on the court at least for the first set the way he served the way he dominated i think uh, i'd like i'll let you both go of what you thought about that uh, let's break this down set wise what you thought about that first set and how did it what was your understanding of the game what was happening uh, there so i think it was uh, it was one of the most entertaining entertaining finals i have seen over a really long time like if it had in australia they called it the villain of australia versus australia's anti hero because that's how they depict both the people here so it was for me it was it was amazing to see the final and like you said djokovic has over for the quarter final semi final and final he's been a little slow off the block djokovic especially the sinner match i think that was an amazing match i think that was my favorite match from the tournament it was just an unbelievable match and yeah but then first set i think kirgios was so composed his serve he was serving really really high percentages and djokovic took a bit of time to actually djokovic is the best returner we all know but i think even he was not able to read kirgios's serve as as well in the first set and he didn't give many points away and djokovic was little slow to start off but then uh, i think kirgios was also like you said very very composed he didn't you you could see him very focused in the first set and then i actually think he played really really well the whole whole match i think jokovic just stepped up i think this is the best i've seen kirgios play and lose if if it would have been anyone else i think it would have even the jokovic match it could have honestly gone five set it came down to the tiebreaker in the fourth set but i i know kirgios started started getting distracted in the third, second and third and fourth set but actually i think his level of tennis was really really good maybe as good as the first set but i think jokovic just picked up and he was in his zone and you could see how much of mental uh, mental strength he has to come back in a grand slam final he's done it before he lost a couple of sets in the french open last year against tsitsipas uh, so he's done he's, he's been there before and that experience i think eventually came through but it was one of the most entertaining finals and uh, the best post final on court press conference i've seen abhijit you can basically ram gave us his take about how the uh, best it was one of the best or oh, great final and uh, the, so did you hear that part so yeah. it was a, yeah so your take on what you thought about the uh, first set in general and the end the final game yeah the first set of course you know kirya uh, nick obviously he stepped up uh, and he won the first set and i remember when the fourth set was on you know when it was going to the tie breaker i thought nick can still take it from here but then you started seeing how frustrated nick kirios was and to add to ram rama's point you know about mental strength of jokovic we've discussed this on this podcast many times before that jokovic is mentally more superior than uh, like you know any other athlete in this world like literally the way he comes back from crisis situation is amazing and this just reminds me of that book i had read you know the power of now which is fav- uh, jokovic's favorite book it just keeps going back to that man he's in the moment he's on the court he's present he's you know uh, going according to what he's planned and on the other side you see kirios not in the moment at all he's so frustrated he's screaming at his box and that was all the change you know because everybody knows that kirios is very talented and he can beat the best players in this world on his day and that's why he has such a good winning records again you know players from jokovic to sitsipas to zverev but this this small difference of mental strength is all that takes uh, to be you know a champion and a runner up at wimbledon yeah and if if correct me if i'm wrong but i think going into this final uh, the head to head between uh, nick and uh, jokovic was i think uh, favoring uh, nick right so he had won all the four sets that uh, he had played against uh, jokovic go, going into this yeah so going into this uh, final but yeah what you said uh, about the whole uh, power of now and his mental game is very interesting because you could see that he was in and as ram already mentioned like he was struggling one of the best returners was actually struggling to get the ball through to the other side of the court or actually sometimes even touch it so he was there was no reading of that uh, game but what one statistic that really uh, surprised me was how his second serve return the first error and i think this went this clip went viral as well was like 2 hours 21 minutes in jokovic makes the first error on returning the second serve right so and nick also talks to i think i don't know whom he was talking to the ref or he was talking to the ball boy i don't remember but that i found that clip there so it also talks about how he can minimize his errors and just be in the moment figure a way out to win which was very interesting because uh, when i first saw 
I love Nick's personality. I think he brings something super interesting, uh, especially uh, in the Australian Open. I think he played the doubles as well. He's just so outspoken. And we'll also talk about him and Sitsipas, which which was uh, an interesting uh, press conference they both had. But with that being said, Djokovic is the king uh, of actually figuring out and my understanding of this is that what he does is just minimize his mistakes. He, he, I think he's a professional at grinding through. So absolute mental fortitude, just minimize your mistakes. And you could see as the game progressed, Kyrgios uh, uh, making more and more mistakes. I think towards the end, uh, like you said, in the second set, he still had his serve. But when we were getting closer to the tiebreaker, uh, that actually you could see that it was not the same serve that he started off with. And obviously, we, we spoke about his mental composure. But Ram, since uh, Kyrgios is from uh, Australia, have you followed him locally? Did you have, uh, did you know, did you, do you have any interesting anecdotes about uh, anything that you want to share uh, about following his game or even the Australian Open and stuff? Because he is, I, he's a crowd favorite. So I forget his doubles partner. They just had a blast last time in the Australian Open. Yes. So it, that that was some final to watch the doubles. They literally had the other uh, opponents uh, pull their hair out, uh, and it was really interesting the way he interacts with the crowd. And I think he brings a lot of personality onto his tennis court. So there is just one Nick Kyrgios. There's no there's no on field and off field at least from what I don't know him off field, but from what you see. So you want to add anything to that? Do you have any interesting anecdotes? Uh, what was Australia like? Uh, were they excited to have him in the final? Because he was supposed to play Nadal, but then it turned, uh, unfortunately, fortunately, unfortunately, fortunately for maybe Nick, but unfortunately for neutrals, uh, it turned out to be a walkover. So what was he like? Is he loved down there, down under? How is it? So honestly, people at Tennis Australia were just very pleased because he's in the final because I think uh, Matt, uh, a couple of Aussies won the men's final as well. And uh, Sam Stojir was at the mixed doubles final and she lost and we had a men's singles final. So from just from Tennis Australia perspective, it was just like the dream Wimbledon that they could have asked for. But I think from and just this is just from my perspective of living in Australia, I think people were confused whether to support Nick Kyrgios or not, because I think he's still a very polarizing figure. And I, I love him because he's brought new crowd to the sport and he's got the younger generation following the sport. And tennis has traditionally been followed by a slightly older demographic as such. So I think it's people like him are really, really amazing for the sport to just bring in some excitement and different brand of tennis and just be I, we see a lot of this in football but tennis has been like very traditional and bringing his brand of tennis and wearing a red cap on Wimbledon and getting a fine I mean it's just he's just who he is so I think I'm not sure I, I'm, he's very he's also very polarizing in Australia but I think people people uh, do love him I think he does lots of uh, what I've bought from what I've heard from people working in tennis here is like he's got he's done a lot for the community and as such as itself and it's just what you see on court is a different persona because because of all the spotlight it can make people act differently but i think he has a lot of supporters here in australia and his uh, and his uh, overall appeal is only growing and i think we did some analysis on just players in general who've been doing really well in terms of content on australian open and other grand slams and just how their popularity has grown by their instagram channels and i think nick is among the top three including like Rafa and Federer this year, which is just unbelievable considering he's ranked 40 in the world. So I think he's he's definitely really good for the sport. I would have been sad like if he if he won Wimbledon and he had retired, like he said he might, that would have been a sad day. But I think he's definitely really good for the sport. And if he can keep his composure, like Djokovic said, we might even see him in the second week of many more Grand Slams going forward. Yeah, and uh, it's interesting you say that because I think it's first time after Leighton Hewitt in 2001 that you had uh, an Australian uh, out there uh, ready to win uh, men's singles Grand Slam again. So, yeah, uh, that was uh, pretty interesting. With that being uh, said, so again, his... Uh, on court, I don't, I don't want to use the word uh, antics, but his personality on court, it, like you said, can be very polarizing, right? It, if you, if you're on the other side of the court, you, you'll either love him or just hate him, or you can also be annoyed with him. Uh, so, and similarly, I think we saw uh, the whole saga with Sitsipas, where I think <laughs> Sitsipas called him a bully, and then uh, Nick says, uh, I, I'm not saying the exact words, but to the, to the I'm paraphrasing, but something that's not bullying. He doesn't know what bullying is. So something along those lines. And did you have anything to add to that uh, that game? Because 
uh, just to give context to the listeners so uh, there were a couple of underarm serves that uh, nick would uh, occasionally throw in i think uh, one uh, sitsipas missed i think jokovic was, was alert enough to pick one of those up but sitsipas i think second one he slammed it into the uh, audience and then there was a lot of uh, body shots that sitsipas played. he did himself no favors by the way you could clearly see uh, the way sitsipas was playing he had lost uh, mental equilibrium i think he was uh, unnecessarily aggressive uh, hitting ball in, balls into the crowd and even though uh, people would say that nick seemed to be the villain there but uh, i think sitsipas did himself no favors by acting the way he did cuz eventually it it turned out he he was a bad guy finally and i i think um, what he did was wrong so i wanted your perspective just from how you involved in tennis cuz tennis is called the gentleman's game right so there's no noise it's like when you're on court it's like uh, silence please thank you so it is such a uh, i think a gentlemanly sport uh, what was your take on this whole uh, issue with sitsipas kiryas uh, abhijit you go first sure uh, so actually i like all this you know i mean uh, uh, we always say you know tennis is a gentleman's sport and of course federer nadal djokovic uh, they have represented the sport really well uh, even on the women's side uh, now of course since last year djokovic is you know you know like uh, his uh, image is a bit divided now uh, because of his vaccine stances but in general i think tennis needs more personalities you know uh, any sport for it to sustain and to be uh, to keep it uh, itself entertained i think you need different personalities and that's what someone like stefanos tsitsipas does and nick kyrgios does you know so Uh, first of all it's great to see and it's it's not really too bad you know it's not like they are being violent and you know they are doing uh, committing crimes or something it's a lot of banter and uh, sometimes it can come up in the way of the sport itself but it's okay i think they get too much uh, you know uh, slag uh, too much shit for this and uh, we should cut them some slack you know it's okay i mean this happens in and we all the time if you go on a football field people will hear you know much worse thing so it is okay man i mean and so yeah that that's my take on it rama do you have, do you have anything to say no like you said i think it's really good for the sport when there's like slight bit of spice in it and i mean sitsipas sitsipas has also had his share of controversies regarding bathroom breaks and coaching so he's not he's not had he's not come as a he's had his share of like incidents which have happened in the past and and when it came up against someone like nick kyrgios i think that's the difference between a tsitsipas and like a djokovic or someone who didn't let such things affect him and then tsitsipas got it he just got the better of tsitsipas mentally and then he couldn't play his he couldn't play his a game and then that's the that's the small difference between like the someone who's 121 grand slams and then someone who's equally as talented but gets gets irritated or annoyed by a player and then loses focus on their own game but i think it's it's amazing for like tennis in general even the press conference i think it went even on social media honestly like they were posting stories on like i forgive people who are only good to me or something like that it was just interesting that it 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 went to like a whole personal level but as long as it's good for like the sport and as it's people are watching the sport and no harm is done so i think it's overall it's not too bad so i actually had a follow up question with this on you and me and gautam were talking about this in our uh, previous episodes as well so there are some for example like you said there is basketball there is football where you know there is crowd interaction people shouting at each other uh, there is a lot of I, i they are physical sports but since both of you are involved in tennis do you have any thoughts on and i i like what you said because tennis is changing right it is not the same old sport where you only clap after a point and it's left so there is more personality is coming in but do you have thoughts on since you are on the ground in tennis why is tennis so different in terms of uh, these sports in general like uh, i let abhijit go and then uh, ram can add something so it's i think it's because of the margin of errors with your strokes like for example in tennis when you have when you do the serve and you hit the ball and when you go for your shots you actually have to believe that you're going to do it and you need to have uh, that kind of focus and that's why i call tennis such a mental sport also because unless you haven't played tennis you really don't know it's it's not like table tennis or badminton you know that the beginning strokes are easy tennis actually needs the a different uh, set of muscle memory and you need to you need to practice your strokes and when you're on the court it's it's a mixture of both you know physical and mental game that you need to be focused and if someone at the back if so, there's a noise or there's some chaos you your ball won't go across that diagonal uh, space because it's it's about the margins of error with your strokes that's my understanding 
Uh, but yeah, Rama, do you have anything to say about that? Yeah, I think I I find it very different and very interesting as compared to some of the other popular sports. Is because like it's it's it, while there are other individual sport, tennis is I mean way more popular than some of the other sports which where people go one on one. So I think. as so many people are watching you just have yourself so that makes it even you don't have your teammates to rely on so i think that's where like tennis is so much a mental game which focuses more more on a, men, a, a person's men, mentality because he has to figure things out on his own come out of issues there's no coaching you're not allowed to get currently you're not allowed to but it might change but i think for now i think that's what makes tennis unique and different as compared to some of the other popular sports and also because i think some of and it's also very intimate i think um, aniket you went to wimbledon you would have seen the crowd is like right next to you some of the other sports it's not that it's as as there might be more people but they're just not like you can't hear them passing a comment about you so that's something i think very unique about tennis too where it's a very while it's a stadium it's very uh, intimate where you can actually hear what someone is saying about you and that actually gets some tennis players get affected by that so i think i think it's uh, a couple of reasons along with what abhishek has added regarding the margins i think it's very different as a competitive sport to some of the other popular sports like soccer or nba or cricket in general so yeah yeah it's interesting you say this because i think uh, nick even in the final had issues with uh, i think some someone in the crowd uh, he pointed out and he wanted, he wanted that person taken out he says she's 700 drinks down i think that was the quote he used to talk to the empire uh, referee but that's very interesting so one thing i did I, and i can't not talk about was actually uh, and because i went on the day was supposed to be the mixed doubles final so the previous day i was really hoping that uh, sanya mirza actually makes it to the uh, mixed doubles final so any thoughts on so i, I earlier this year uh, she announced her retirement so i think uh, i don't know I, as of now as things go i think end of this year this would be her final year on tour so i was i just wanted to take a couple of minutes and talk about uh, we've already spoken because she's not new to wimbledon she's been here won it before in both doubles mixed doubles and doubles so uh, just wanted to talk about that in general like have you guys followed uh, her tour this year at wimbledon so abhijit you want to go first sure just to correct you there uh, she's won uh, women's doubles but she's never won mixed doubles at wimbledon right oh yeah. i think it was space and hengis who that's correct won. yeah okay yeah my bad yeah so, yeah but amazing sanya still at this age you know she's reaching semi finals she's going so deep in the tournaments so that's amazing and uh, yeah uh, i'm hoping uh, next us open is her last grand slam event of her life and um, i hope you know she can lift the trophy there uh, and yeah i mean uh, we were all amazed at indian tennis delhi that sanya has reached the semi finals and we were hoping that you know she uh, makes it through uh, but yeah unfortunately they were playing a pair rubin also playing very well as a pair in mixed doubles so yeah bad luck there but i'm sure the us open uh, maybe we should hope uh, even for uh, something big for sanya I must add, I was also hoping that she gets uh, through the finals because I wanted to see an Indian on court. The only time I'm in Wimbledon, it would have been, it would have been the perfect way to be there. But well, it was not meant to be. So Ram, any thoughts on uh, Sanya in general, like her game so far, and uh, you know, yeah, just share your thoughts. No, I think it's 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 unbelievable how much she's done for Indian tennis since she came on tour, and over the last few years she's been so consistent on the double side. I I remember actually a couple of years ago I saw her match in the I think it was like a mixed doubles match in Melbourne, and there was like people flying the Indian flag and supporting her. And I saw even Leander Pace not in the same match but later. So it's just so nice to see. uh people from your country doing well on the grand slam stage and it's it it makes you feel really good so yeah i've uh, it, it was one of my highlights a couple of years ago seeing uh, sanya and also pace uh, at the ao yeah and uh, the fact that you say this so i was actively seeking out to see if i could find indian athletes and i actually managed to catch the under 16 women girls or uh, women i'm not sure how you call it but under 16 round robin so aishwarya jadhav was playing i think andrea sor from romania so i think it was on court number 7 or something and i was just strolling around so i saw one of the sets unfortunately she lost but i must tell you that uh, seeing such young people play only makes me feel proud about uh, having representation of india in the wimbledon because uh, we have the population we have the people it's about uh, finding a way to make it to the top and uh, well it will come i think uh, in time yeah so let's talk 
F1, uh, the race that happened at the Australian, Austrian, sorry, Austrian Grand Prix at the Red Bull Arena. So we had qualifiers and this was a sprint race as well. So I think uh, Max won the sprint race, right? So Max was uh, P1 in the sprint race, Charles P2 and Sainz P3. And it went so on in the final race. So Lippi, did you catch the final, I mean, what am I saying? Final, the feature race uh, for the Austrian GP at the Red Bull Arena? I did. I, I I did watch the sprint also and the qualifying also. And uh, it was quite interesting. I mean, uh, before that also Silverstone was there, which was, I think, the most happening uh, race this season. I mean, uh, the whole accident that happened and, you know, Carlos's first win in Formula One after his 150 races. So it was, I guess, and so much of controversy with uh, Charles not being able to pit. So that was there. But I think uh, Austria was really amazing. I mean, again, because I'm a Charles fan. So I guess it was nice because he won. And it was nice to see him back after a long time. And uh, I, I do feel that Ferrari could have been first and second both because they had the pace this time compared to Red Bull. So I think, uh, you know, and it would have made a little bit more difference in the whole world championship uh, between Charles and uh, uh, Max's points, because then he I, he would not have been on second. So, yeah, right. that was that was that. What I'm really confused about is like, you know, in the sprint when I saw, because when you saw the race, you could easily see that Ferrari had the pace, right? Like it was very easy for Charles to take over Max. I I really do not I don't know why it did not happen in the sprint though. It's really that's confusing for me though. That's very interesting. So Ram, do you have uh, thoughts on no, that in general? Didn't see the sprint. I just saw. I just saw. I just caught the race and yeah, it was like like Lippi said. I think Ferrari were on course for uh, one two until uh, Carlos Sainz's uh, car gave up. But then it was it was it was good to see. Uh, it was good to see Leclerc win. And I'm a big Hamilton fan. And uh, having having seen him crash a couple of days earlier, it was really really good to see him make a comeback. And I think two podiums in a row now. So three. I think uh, three three yeah so. So now nah, it's, it's, it's very uh, it's very promising as a Mercedes fan too. So I was very happy. Oh, nice! It's good to know you're a Mercedes uh, fan because now he has a he he also has Mister Consistency as his teammate. So it it's going to be very interesting. I think Lewis is. I have no doubts when Lewis is pushed, he he comes out winning. So he's one of he he's another insane like we said mental fortitude. He's relentless. But it was uh, very interesting to see uh, Charles win. I say interesting because I I like Charles Leclerc. I think he's future world champion material in the right car. And now I'm starting to add the right team because it seems like Ferrari gets all its strategy calls wrong <laughs> almost every time. So it's just a thing that they like doing. Uh, but yeah, Lippi said, uh, right, was I think Charles in the Silverstone was not allowed to pit. Uh, they messed up the strategy and then they gave up uh, what would have been some wonderful points uh, in both constructors and uh, world championship points. But nevertheless, I think uh, somehow Charles with a finally broken car. So I think he had a throttle issue at the end in the final, I think four laps or something. Yeah, and uh, he had throttle issues, and somehow you, you could hear him on the radio actually uh, go crazy. And he's he said, I think uh, we'll play that radio uh, audio here, which basically says that he's like, oh, I was so scared that I will lose it, and turn three and four were disastrous. You cannot imagine what I'm doing with the pedal. It's a mess. So sometimes he's not coming back to zero percent. Oh, I can't feel. I can't feel it, mate. Charles Leclerc has sailed through it all. He sees the checkered flag, and for the first time, other than when he's on pole, he takes victory. Charles Leclerc wins the Austrian Grand Prix, and Max Verstappen, after taking maximum points in the sprint yesterday, settles for second place. And be one. Yes, sir. Yes. Oh. Yes, come on. Oh, oh my God. I was scared. I was really scared. Yes! Amazing job. No so that way, I, I always admire Red Bull. I feel they're like a complete team, even though, well, I, I think Max is a phenomenal driver. Uh, he's just, uh, he's, he's what you call very aggressive. Uh, that's his personality. But I think Red Bull as a team throws everything. They get 90% of the thing right. Even last year's championship with... 
I have objection to how they won it. Uh, Ram maybe bad memories, but with how they won it. But if you put everything together, they threw in the spanner every time, and for that miracle to happen, they had got so many strategy calls correct, right from uh, Checo helping Max with a toe in the qualifiers to all the way pitting when the safety car was out to you know uh, give a maximum ability to roll the dice, and obviously we all know how that went, but. Red Bull that way, I'm envious of them is they're such a perfect team in terms of strategy. They get these calls. Their pits are always like the 2.5, 2.7 second margin. Whereas uh, Ferrari is one of those teams like they can swing either ways. One day they're phenomenal. Another way in, in Gunter Steiner's words, they look like a bunch of wankers. So it's, it's like it, go, it swings uh, every way. But with that being said, are you guys excited about this Formula 1 season? What do you think? Uh, I mean, we don't make predictions, but what do you want to happen? I won't say what do you think will happen, but what, what Ram, what would... You, i let Ram and Lippi go. So, Ram, what do you, what do you think? Yeah. What do you want to happen this season? Yeah, so I think in the start of the season, it was pretty clear Mercedes is not going to challenge for the top spot this year. But I thought it, Ferrari, if they didn't get their calls right, yeah, especially the first three races, I think, like you said, Red Bull has been so consistent. They'd hardly make any mistakes. But I think Verstappen had an issue with this car two of the first three races. So, But since then, they've had like, they've been flawless. So, I, I, I still think it could be a good good race to the finish, but having just come halfway through it, I think Verstappen's looking really good and uh, hoping Ferrari don't make too many mistakes or don't have I- I- engine issues. But I'm hoping uh, also Mercedes uh, has a strong finish in the end and get some of their uh, vibrating car thing right so that it picks up a bit of speed going uh, to the second half of the season, yeah. Yeah, they've been struggling with this whole uh, purposing thing, right? So it's like a basketball that they're driving. It goes up and down. But please do tell our listeners. So I, I believe you were at the Australian Grand Prix this year. Uh, so how was your experience in general? Uh, what did you take away? Is that right? Were you at the... Yeah. Did you... Oh, nice. So how was the whole, how was the whole, whole experience? What was it like? And yeah, what, was... what, what got you there? Yeah. So I've... I've... I've always been, I've loved watching F1 and actually going to the race in general because there's something about the sound of the cars. I know it's not as as powerful as the 70s or 80s when the cars were like mean machines, but it's still pretty good. And seeing them just fly through, I think it's 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 a very enjoyable uh, view. And it came to Melbourne after two years because of COVID and everything. So it didn't happen over the last two years. And actually this year in Melbourne, it's a street circuit in Albert Park. So it was, um, it was, it had more than 400,000 people across the three days. So it was absolutely packed. And it was like, I was having, having been at the AO for so many years, I can say that it was, it was like, peak it was it was as much or more than the number of people who you see at the tennis so it was this year because it was coming back after two years it was a very very enjoyable experience and the race itself was the race is also uh, pretty good so yeah f1's a beautiful watch and especially the melbourne uh watching it at melbourne around albert park i think it's a really beautiful uh circuit to go watch the race as well so yeah it, i love it that's nice. I think even Ricardo was uh, the local favorite, came sixth, I think, this year, right? So it was not a bad race for him because typically Austin, Austin Grand Prix, sorry, Austin Grand Prix doesn't end well for him <laughs> for the past yeah. couple of years. No, he's but... had some really, uh, really bad results at the Australian Grand Prix. Yeah. He's crashed in the first circuit, he's like had engine issues, but yeah. it was good to see him finish the race. <laughs> That's nice. So, Lippi, uh, any takes on what's happening? So, Charles clearly seems to be winning races but uh do you have any hot takes on what you want to happen this uh season yeah i mean of course when it comes to winning i would want charles to win the uh championship and it's not a lot of points to cover also so i mean bigger back gaps have been covered in f1 earlier so that and uh but other than that i would really like to see mick schumacher getting more points because he i've been impressed with him in last two races he has done quite well actually and right. uh, yeah and i mean the way he was defending uh, his position with uh, lewis it was great actually and yeah. uh, uh, you know also and of course i would want even russell to end up on a good position because he has been doing i mean the only race which was not good for him was the one which he was not allowed to compete in that was silverstone and uh, other yeah. than that he has been doing really well so i would really like to see him also and I mean other than just you know I mean of course you have your favorites but I think this year a lot of so drivers have been really good I mean I have been very impressed with Checo's race also you know even with starting at 19 and 20 and then coming and taking the podium 
it's, yep. it was great watching him on the podium so and i hope uh, mick schumacher really drives the way he's driving right now i mean I, we were even joking about it like it looked like like he swapped places with his father you know like i mean he looks like his father very much so it was great seeing him drive like that it was quite interesting yeah and he seems to be on a, after his first points i think earlier he got in silverstone so he seems to have yeah. a spring in his step which is yeah. uh, super interesting and i think if mercedes get their stuff aligned it's going to be a good three horse race at one point it'll be difficult to really call which team actually wins obviously the cha- world championship the constructors championship seems to be heading red bull's direction but it'll be uh, interesting drivers championship uh, because ferrari have a lot of reliability issues as you can see their cars end up in flame yeah. as they did in the previous option but it'll be nice to see mercedes step up and it'll be it'll be super interesting and exciting yeah i think but, i mean it's it's nice to see them i wouldn't say making a comeback but it's it's nice like now they are working better with the cars so yeah but i think I mean, toto did mention that they have already started focusing on next year's car already so yeah and i'm not surprised i mean they're like seven time world champion so they they know how to do it they just got to get it done so yeah uh, you never bet against mercedes and lewis hamilton like it's tough to win that bet but yeah with that being said so let's give our listeners uh some recommendations to enrich their lives so abhijit uh, do you have any recommendations that you would like to give sure uh, now as you mentioned you know you saw aishwarya at wimbledon uh, i wanted to uh, plug one article actually it's an interview that i took of uh, this young kid called rishil khosla he is uh, one of india's best juniors he just recently helped us win the junior davis cup and he also got a silver medal for uttar pradesh at the khelo india games so i did an interview with him for indian tennis delhi so i will uh, send that link i think he has he's like he's the reason i think the future of indian tennis is bright so i would like you guys to check that out and another Super. recommendation i have is uh, mr nelson mandela he had this speech called sport has the power to change the world this was back in 2000 at the inaugural lawrence wall sports awards so i hope everybody uh, you know checks out that video or reads the transcript of that speech i think it's one of the most inspirational sports speeches i've ever heard so yeah those are two my recommendations ram do you want to recommend anything for our listeners yeah sure um, i think uh, just working i think like you mentioned i think uh, it's always nice to see india doing well on the world stage and we have the athletes we have the population i think uh, i think definitely that's coming forward and what some of my takeaways having lived in australia and worked in the sports industry for the last few years i think they invest quite a lot on the grassroots level as such and the parents are very encouraging of their children to take part not just in competitive sport but just in an active lifestyle so that they mentally and physically develop their personality i think uh, that's something we can definitely encourage going forward in india more i think it's already started i was there recently and i was so happy to see like people like taking up different types of sport so i think that's something which is definitely changing but i think uh, just living here i think that's what that's my takeaways on how sport has developed here it's from the grassroots level and right from young age people just allowing their kids to play sport just to enjoy it that's when you become actually good at it and then you take it up growing forward so i think that's just my takeaway well it's actually very interesting you say that because uh, we had uh, on our previous podcast with bachang bhutia and he said the same thing so he he uh, said that we should not aim to build stadiums but build grounds at the local level and his recommendation was exactly what he he said i recommend you go play sport because even if you're not doing it at a professional level uh, and you actually get to learn a lot just from sport like the whole team spirit and i think that's pretty uh, awesome because me and ram we know each other only through sport like it is it's a funny world sport actually joins some of my best friends i have made is even though i played no notion of professional sport but you i think you make some of the best people you learn to work in a team in sport so yeah no that's pretty cool my recommendation would definitely would be uh, one go watch compilation of some of the best shots in wimbledon 2022 i think uh, that that always brings a lot of joy to me but there's a book that i'm reading so it's uh, it's called uh, wenger and it's lives and lessons of arsene wenger uh, in red and white so it's uh, the arsenal's legendary 22 year uh, manager and it's his stories so i've not obviously gone through the full book but i'm somewhere halfway and 
even at the half point i feel it's uh, good enough to recommend because there are some interesting facets of uh, his life that you can learn from so those are my two recommendations but before we sign off i want to say uh, i want to request the readers and listeners to uh, pay to keep news free so news laundry is a subscriber driven platform and if the subscribers pay the subscribers are served so otherwise if the advertisers are paid the advertisers are served so we go uh, recommend you to subscribe to independent media in general keep democracy thriving because uh, news is to bring your problems uh, issues and uh, glory to the forefront and that's only done by a free and independent media so with that being said i think uh, we can conclude our podcast i just realized that we finished without gautam being here <laughs> so it's uh, interesting but lippy can we uh, we'll maybe leave the listeners with a voice over of uh, jakovic uh, winning the uh, the final point wimbledon and then we can call it off so yeah that's that that's our podcast for today and uh, abhijit I, i believe you have to leave too yeah guys so, sorry uh, but thank you so much guys for having me aniket pleasure no worries and ramas yeah. nice to meet you i hope to see you guys in person hopefully soon i don't know when where but i hope that yeah. happens so yeah the universe i've realized universe has a funny way of making things happen so uh, hopefully we all meet sometime in person in flesh yeah superstar player You wouldn't say it was been his easiest year laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel.